Our scripture this morning is taken from out of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 35. I want you to listen closely to these words because these words are extraordinary. God speaking, hear the words. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped and then the lame shall leap like the deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For the waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp and the grass become reeds and rushes. A highway, a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the holy way. And the unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, or any ravenous beast come on it. They shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there. The ransomed of the Lord shall return. And come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let's pray. Lord, help us to experience what you inspired the prophet to write. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I have a question for you. Where is the happiest place on earth? And before you answer, watch this little short video clip and see if you get the answer. So where is the happiest place on earth? Disney World. World. That's exactly right. Disney World is the happiest place on earth. Well, you know, it is a pretty amazing, neat place. I mean, you know, the commercial that you just saw and commercials you'll see on TV promise to transport you into a different dimension, a place that is filled with happiness, a place with magic, a place where you leave your troubles behind, a place where everything is transformed. And, you know, I've been there. And I kind of like Disney World. But I will have to say that while I was there, I saw children who were crying, teenagers who were pouting, couples who were kind of struggling to get along, not sure what was going on, and then there were sometimes conflicts between the parents and their children. 
Well, it delivers a lot, but it doesn't quite deliver everything we long for in terms of being the happiest place on earth. Now, Isaiah 35 is an interesting chapter in the Bible because we could really view it as a commercial advertising at a place almost beyond description, a place that is a different dimension for us, a place where there is everlasting joy, a great place, nature transformed and humans living in freedom and abundant life, an amazing place. This morning I want to invite you to join in me in looking at this commercial that comes from Isaiah and see if you wouldn't like to visit a place like Isaiah is talking about. Now the book of Isaiah is one of the most powerful rich books in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it is probably the most quoted book in the Bible during the Advent and Christmas season. Now, Advent is the time four weeks before Christmas during that season, but it's during this period of time that the book of Isaiah is oftentimes used. And throughout the book of Isaiah, we find what we oftentimes identify as prophecies. These words from the prophet that speak directly to the people, sometimes in what's happening in their life then and there, and at other times what's coming ahead. And most of these prophecies that are speaking of what is ahead tend to be looked at as something that's going to happen in the same time frame as those who are hearing it as the original audience, or maybe a generation or two later. And so anytime we come to a passage in the book of Isaiah that's speaking to something that lies ahead, we try to figure out who was his audience and what was he trying to say to those folks. And so Isaiah chapter 35 is one of these chapters that speaks to this new dimension life, this life of everlasting joy, and we wonder, to whom was he really sharing these words? Well, now, when Isaiah lived... Uh, the southern kingdom where Isaiah lived in the southern kingdom of the Jews, the southern kingdom which had his capital in Jerusalem, uh, had a lot of conflict with the northern kingdom who at that point had allied themselves with Edom, which was the nation directly to their east. And during that time frame, the northern kingdom and Edom invaded the southern kingdom and basically won the battle and took away a lot of exiles from the land. But as they were taking away these people who had been captured, another prophet, not Isaiah, spoke to the leaders of the, the Edomite and Israeli army and said, what you're doing is not good. And so they released the exiles and they were allowed to go home. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that those folks experienced tremendous joy. If you had been captured by your enemy and you were allowed to go home, wouldn't you experience joy? And so they experienced a sense of the joy that Isaiah spoke of here in this particular chapter. But it really wasn't the complete fulfillment. And it was just in part what is being said in this chapter. Now, uh, a century and a half after that, Babylon became the major world empire and Babylon invaded the Jewish nation. 
They captured the nation, captured his capital, and when they did, they led away anyone that had any influence in standing away from Jerusalem and transported them back to Babylon where they were forced to make their home. Then 70 years later, those living in Babylon, those Jews living in Babylon, were given a unique opportunity. You see, a new world empire rose into the limelight, the Syro-Persian Empire, and a new emperor came to power known as Cyrus the Great, and Cyrus issued an edict saying anyone, any Jew that wanted to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple could go. And so in a series of people returning back to Jerusalem, that work began. And as they were traveling, they experienced tremendous joy with the hope of finally going home. But never did they really experience the fullness of what Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 35 because when they got home, life was tough. Life was rough. There were hurdles taller than they were that they had to clear, and things were very difficult for them. Then several decades passed after those exiles had returned. And there was a man who was commissioned by the then Persian king Artaxerxes to Nehemiah and said, Nehemiah, you can go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the city. Now, y'all are kind of an advantage because Pastor Jacqueline on the first uh, Sunday in Advent, she preached about uh, Nehemiah and told you a little about that. But she also told you the rally cry of Nehemiah. As a matter of fact, last week she tested you guys to see if you remembered. And I'm going to give you another test. So his rally cry, the joy of the Lord is our Oh, that's pretty weak. It must not be much strength. Come on, one more time. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our strength. And so there was joy when Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem and folks living in and around Jerusalem were allowed to re-inhabit the city and to populate the city. But again, it never seemed to be quite what is foreshadowed in Isaiah 35. So we ask ourselves the question, was Isaiah saying something more to someone else, some other group, some other people? What's this chapter all about? Because it's really neat what he has to say to these people. For the last four weeks, we have been in this Christian season we call Advent. Advent comes from a Latin word which means to come. And during the season of Advent, we as Christians look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And we talk about that movement of His coming in two parts. One, His coming as a baby in Bethlehem of Judea. The coming of Jesus. But we also talk about Jesus' second coming. You remember Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He grew up, became a man. He then faced the cross, died on the cross, was raised from the dead. And then after the resurrection, and he spent some time on earth, he ascended into heaven. And as he was ascending into heaven, the angel said, the same way you see him going, he will return. And so we as followers of Jesus Christ look forward to Jesus' second return. 
Now, it's interesting that the Bible speaks of a time, which we believe is a part of Jesus' return, where human history as we know it will come to an end and God will usher in God's ultimate kingdom. Life will be experienced in a new and different dimension. And we find passages like Isaiah 35, which seems to speak to what is going to happen. Understanding what lies ahead gives us a sense of hope, but it also is a source of great joy for us because we know that what God has ahead is really, really good. Now, during this particular time of the year is a time where, uh, uh, particularly pre-COVID, where the great movies, the, the best movies of the year are released and put into the theaters. And, uh, uh, you know, when they are released, uh, we'll find these commercials on TV that are basically trailers, or called trailers, of these movies that are to come. And you know how trailer operates, don't you? It shows you this little glimpse of the movie. It will give uh, a few great scenes that tells you a little bit about the movie, and it's designed to entice you to go to the theater and watch it on the big screen. And I'll be honest with you, I'm often taken in by those trailers. Jacqueline, I'm oftentimes taken in by those trailers. I, 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 I like movies. Think of this. Isaiah chapter 35 is a divine trailer of the great movie that God has ahead when Jesus returns. All right? And in this great trailer, Isaiah opens our mind's eyes in a poetic fashion to what lies ahead. And he gives us two scenes of this great movie, this new dimension that God has for us. The first scene that he talks about is that nature is transformed. Nature is transformed. Now, we are truly blessed in this portion of Tennessee and North Georgia to live in one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've been several places, and quite honestly, um, while there are a lot of other beautiful places, this competes with any where I've ever been. Would you all agree with that? And it's not just prisons because this is our home. I mean, this really is a beautiful region. region. You know, we have, we have these, these mountains that have all these green trees and, and just beauty, and you've got beautiful valleys that are, 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 are fertile farmland, and it's just basically a beautiful place. But right now, we're in the midst, in the, the, the middle of winter, aren't we? And when you go outside, particularly on a day like today, all right, kind of snarl your nose at today. I mean, you know, it's kind of dreary outside. It's cloudy. There's been, you know, moisture in the air. This morning when I left the house, it was raining, and, and it's kind of cold and damp outside. And you look at the mountains, and they're kind of gray and dark. And... But you know, we know that in just a few months, 
spring will break forth, won't it? Our campus, down near the bell are these cherry trees that, man, they are, they are these great big giant snowballs, and all around our campus are these Bradford pears, and they begin blooming, and, and, and nature begins coming to life. And we live in this cycle of winter's death and spring's resurrection. Winter's death and spring's resurrection. Now imagine for a moment living in an environment where as far as the eye can see, it is an arid, barren land. Nothing growing. Nothing but sand. You can see the waves of heat radiating from the ground as the sun hits the ground. And Isaiah says, the desert, the desert, the desert, that barren wasteland, the desert will blossom, the desert will bloom. Can you see it? Can you see it in your mind? Coming alive. And he says, the sands will find springs of water bubbling up. There will be lakes in the desert filled with life. There will be streams flowing in the desert. It's no longer a desert, is it? Nature is transformed. For the ancient Hebrew, water was life. Fresh water was that made life possible. And Isaiah is saying, here in this new environment, life breaks forth. And Isaiah says, nature will rejoice and sing. Band, think about that. The band. Nature sings. Can you hear them? Can you hear nature singing? Can you hear nature rejoicing? The second great scene that Isaiah talks about in this passage is that people will be healed and set free. People are healed and set free. Isaiah says, the blind will see, the deaf will hear. The lame will leap for joy. And those who couldn't speak a word will sing and rejoice. Wow. His words remind me of the words of Jesus when Jesus preached his first sermon. And Jesus read again from out of the book of Isaiah, another place in Isaiah, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to re proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed grow free, to proclaim the year of God's favor. Not only is the physical state of those who have experienced affliction, who have deformity, will be healed. But even the emotional state of people is going to be changed. For he says that sorrow and sighing will flee away. Why? 
because of gladness and joy. Can you imagine no more sorrow, no more sighing where there's joy, everlasting joy? His words remind me of John who wrote the book of Revelation who in the end of the book saw a new heaven and a new earth descending in this ultimate reality of God. And, he, and he, he wrote about God being present and he said, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. Now, if what Isaiah wrote are but a trailer of the great movie of God of what is to come. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that reality, life in that dimension? Everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Uh, one of the items on Patty, Patty's my wife, by the way, for those of you who may not know, but Patty... On one of our bucket list items is to take all of our five grandchildren to Disney World. We have seen the commercials and we have drunk the Kool-Aid, okay? <laughs> so thus far, we have taken two, the two older, uh, two, two the older grandchildren to, to Disney. But before we went, uh, we did quite a bit of preparation. I contacted a friend of mine who is a travel agent. She uh, got us tickets, and she got us places to stay there on the grounds and, and you know, basically took care of all those technical details. And then our son Josh basically planned our itinerary, and he basically planned where, which park we would be in, what day, where we would be going, where we would eat, and just had it everything mapped out. And, you know, it was nice. It was nice because we didn't get up in the morning and think, oh, what do you want to do today? And, you know, try to figure that out. Where do you want to eat and so forth? Because it was already figured out. And so we traveled that map, and we had a great time at Disney. Isaiah gives this wonderful metaphor. He says, there will be a highway in the wilderness that leads to Zion. Now, that Zion's an important word. It's an important word, Zion. Talking about Jerusalem, this heavenly, eternal Zion. A highway. And he says it's going to be a highway of holiness. And that highway is going to lead its pilgrims into life in this new dimension. And Isaiah tells us this highway. It's a limited access highway. Not everyone will be able to travel it. He says there won't be any wicked people on the highway. He says it's for the ransomed and the redeemed. Those whom God has redeemed, those whom God has rescued, those whom God has brought back, those whom God has paid the price for, those will be the people that travel this highway, this road in the wilderness, this highway of holiness, they will be the way on the approach to Zion. 
By the way, that highway is for us now. Okay? To travel that highway now. He says that on this highway, he says you're not going to find any lions or ravenous beasts. Now, we don't find many lions and ravenous beasts on our highways. Occasionally, we'll find a deer that's been hit by a car. But we don't find any many lions and ravenous beasts. But in that ancient day, there were threats. When you traveled, there were threats. It was dangerous to go from point A to point B, particularly through the wilderness. But you don't have to worry about that on this highway. And Isaiah said to those who are fearful, say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Cast your fear behind you. Don't be afraid on this journey because God is with you. You're not traveling the highway alone. God is right beside you traveling this highway, the highway that leads to Zion. A place where nature is transformed. The desert blooms and is filled with water. All human deformities gone. People set free from their addictions. People set free from loneliness and fear and anxiety. Lentering life into a new dimension where there is everlasting joy. Now, you want to go there? Don't you want to travel that highway? Let's travel that highway. So two questions I want to ask you. First of all, are you following Jesus? Have you opened up your heart as you've heard Jesus reaching out to you? And have you received Him as the Savior and Lord of your life? That's the start. That's the entry point onto this highway of holiness. And if you have, have you kind of slowed down on your journey? Maybe you're just kind of sitting on the side of the road and you're just not quite getting anywhere these days. Take Jesus' hand. Take God's hand as He's right there beside you and join Him in that journey again. Let's pray. Father, today we thank You for this highway of holiness. We thank You, Lord, for the promise of what lies ahead. And Lord, we pray now that wherever anyone is in this place this morning listening online, we pray that all of us together would be back on that highway of holiness, walking with you, marching to Zion. And we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.